Dave Wurtson was trained under Dr. Bruce Walke in Old Testament, and he loves to turn to a book like Deuteronomy and share with us some of these sections of God's revelation that sometimes get overlooked in our personal reading of the Bible, or even on Sunday morning. That's why our present study finds us in Deuteronomy chapter 4. Our focus question is, has the eternal God ever spoken? And here's Dave to share with us about that gift from the people in the middle. When you study Western civilization, you're coming through the Sumerians. The Sumerians gave us the gift of writing. I won't ask you to give me back your school lessons. If you're like me, you forgot them about five minutes after you got them. The Sumerians gave us writing. You come in and there's other cultures. The Greeks, the Macedonians gave us the phalanx, a military, great military technique, a, a way of lining your troops up. The Romans gave us law. The Greek gave us wisdom. And the Jews gave us, the Israelites gave us monotheism, the worship of one God. And they gave us the Ten Commandments, the moral law. You see, even in the midst of a culture that's radically moving, no Western civilization book teaching any credible history at all can deny the reality that the Israelite people in some unbelievable way received a gift. Modern scholarship says it was the genius, the folk genius of the people of Israel. As I open up this Bible, what I find out is that they were recalcitrant. They rebelled against it. They did everything they could to bury it. They were just like me. But because there is a God, and because he's really there, as Francis Schaeffer so eloquently argued, the God who is there, because he is there, Israel could never get away from it. Our nation, more than 200 years ago, was founded in the dominant philosophical base of the way our nation was founded is. There is a personal God, not a force. And there is a moral law that's embedded in our conscience. It's embedded in our life. And in just a few years, in just a few years, that's all changing. As a child of God, it's important for you to go public in the marketplace about your belief in the personal God, about your belief in right and wrong. Things aren't just floating out there. It's not just empty your mind. God says, listen to me. Your life depends upon it. Build your life on these principles and people will respect you. People will honor you. Under normative conditions, you will be successful. Turn away from these principles and you will be jumping off buildings with a single bound and you will not fly. You will smash on the pavement below. That's the essence of what Moses is crying out to this generation of Israelites. You know why he was crying out to this generation of Israelites? Because we are just one generation away from paganism. We are just one generation away from idolatry. England, England used to be the land where the great preachers trained, where they looked through for models. There was a period in England's history where missionaries went all over the world. You read the history of missions and you're reading the history of the English church. Not today. Very little Christian radio in England. Very little Christian TV in England. Very little 
attendance at Bible teaching churches or any other church. Why? One generation. One generation where the Word of God was not imparted by a faithful adult generation. And in one generation, like a flood, mysticism, immorality, dominating the land. And now it's a post-Christian culture. That's why Moses was so concerned. He knew that we're just one generation away from losing the spiritual heritage that Moses was trying to live and trying to impart to his people. It says that Israel would be renowned if they hung on to these laws. What other nation has a body of, of righteous decrees and laws? In verse 8, as I am now setting before you, only be careful. That's what I'm trying to join in Moses and say, only be careful. Watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen, lest you let them slip from your heart as long as you live. I want you to, I want you to feel this. You see, we don't just radically break with our faith. We kind of ooze away from it. We don't just suddenly lose our moral standards. We just kind of slowly drift away. Remember we learned that in the book of Hebrews? That's what Moses is calling attention here. He says, watch out for yourselves, lest you start to ooze or slip away. What keeps it from doing that? Teach them to your children and to their children after them. And I want to underscore that verse. I want to say it again. Teach them to your children and to your children's children. Who was Moses saying needed to teach? If I say to you, teach your children, who am I talking to? I just talked to the Sunday school leaders, right? That's the command. It just said, teach the children. I just talked to the youth leader, right? Teach the children. I just talked to, you know, to Awana and all the other kind of children's ministries, right? Teach the children. That's what we're supposed to do. Because God's Word says that you as a parent, you need to work hard, you need to keep down all the jobs you can cover, and you bring them to our church family, we'll take care of them, we'll teach the children. Is that what it said? No. Wrong. You know who it said needed to teach the children? Dave and Mary. Dave and Mary needed to teach. Jonathan, Joel, Joshua, and Janae. And Mary's a great help me in that. She'll say, Dave, when are you going to start setting up that time? What about all that stuff that you wanted to teach Jonathan that he was suddenly gone? You ever feel that as a parent? You will. The time goes by just like that. And the issue is, did you teach the children? And I'm not just saying teaching them the facts of the Bible. I'm saying to teach them the life, the intimacy with God that's recorded in the Bible. And mom and dad, there's no greater gift than you can give to your kids than doing exactly that. I want to share something with you. It's not just having a, a time of about 10 minutes just reading the Bible together. That's great. That's really good. But it's not the answer. You've got to talk when your kids talk to you about things. That's when you need to do it. If you've got teenagers, you can't say, well, you know, you want to talk? I've got some time on Tuesday night about 7.30. You need to talk or you need to listen at 1.30 in the morning when they finally decided they'd open up to you. It's in those special times from a parent that's living in relationship with God. And I want you to get, I want you to really think hard about this. 
Because I think the greatest tragedy in why the next generation is not going to be in love with Jesus, not going to be obedient to Him, is because of the adults. It's not the younger generation. Adults always are coming down on the generation coming up. It's not their fault. It's our fault. If we don't invest the time, and you can't suddenly get religious if you don't really love them. You can't suddenly get pious if you're not really in love with Jesus that oozes out of the pores of your being. Don't get suddenly religious on them when they suddenly end up with, with the chief of police because they got smashed at a party. It will not work. I would cry out to you in this audience, rid of hypocrisy. I mean, much better with your kids to come out with them and say, man, I haven't been living according to the Word of God. I've been living just for things. I've been living just for my pride. I want to confess it to you. I'm sorry. That's why I'm so filled with anger. It's why I blow up at you. Because I'm really wrestling with understanding God's grace and really understanding His forgiveness. To be honest with you, son, daddy and mommy need a lot of prayer. There's been a lot of hypocrisy in our life. It would be much better to talk like that. I would challenge every one of you, just strip away the religious, pious, hypocrisy and start speaking the truth to your kids it's the greatest gift you can give to your kids your kids already know you're not perfect but they are asking you to be in love with Jesus and to be consistent they're not asking you to be perfect they're asking you to be honest and Moses knew that and he cried out to a generation of parents just like you and he cried out to their kids and says listen to me this is your life you're only going to have it one time you got to make the right choices. And here's how you make the right choices. This is your life. Oh, how the parents need to take on the training of their kids in, spirit, in, in, in spiritual values and morality. It says, remember, verse 10, the day you stood before the Lord your God at Mount Horeb, when he said to me, assemble the people before me to hear my words so that they may learn to revere me as long as they live in the land and they may teach them to their children. You came near and stood at the foot of the mountain while it blazed with fire to the very heaven with black clouds and deep darkness. Then the Lord God spoke to you out of the fire. You heard the sound of His words, but you saw no form. There was only a voice. He declared to you His commandments or His covenant. His promise, His agreement to you, the Ten Commandments, which He commanded you to follow and then wrote them on two tablets of stone. He wrote two copies of the law because a great ancient king would write one copy for him to keep and one copy for the people to keep. And the Lord God directed me at that time to teach you the decrees and laws you were to follow in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. You know, I think probably one of Satan's biggest attacks is that our kids are awe-inspired by Batman. The music plays. One of the most gifted composers in, in the United States, probably in the world, writes a beautiful score. Unbelievable music. Man, that the stereos are exactly right. The smoke comes up. You've got this gloomy, you know, Gotham City there. And Batman steps forth. The closest the children get to awe in our culture. What happens? You come to church? Man, when's this crazy thing going to be over? Tremendous attack. What I just read makes Batman 
Star Wars, anything you can imagine. Strange encounters of the 20th kind look boring because it's all just pretend, kids. It's all just pretend. Go to Universal Studios, you'll see how pretend it is. You'll watch people drop off buildings that on the movies look like they're dropping hundreds of feet. In real life at Universal Studio, they drop about a foot. And they take the camera, you know, move the camera on, a, on an automatic thing away from him, a technique that Alfred Hitchcock developed. It makes a person look like they're falling miles. They hardly fell a few inches. And you go, yawn. Kind of ruins the whole thing. Because I want you to know something. I just, I just shared something with you that was for real. There was a day when two million people gathered around the foot of a gigantic mountain. There's no trees around that mountain. It's just a, a rugged rock thing. You know those big clouds that rolled in, those big thunderstorms that often roll in over the Texas plains? You've got to imagine those big storm clouds rolling in. Thunder and lightning. The book of Exodus tells us that there was thunder and lightning. There was probably thunder and lightning like there's never been in the history of mankind. The two million people, just they were just shaking with fear at the base of this mountain. The whole mountain became enveloped in these gigantic thunderheads. All these clouds and, 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 and then the, the, the lighter clouds making like a mist. That's what the rock star is trying to emulate when he has CO2 go off all over the, car, all over the, the platform. And suddenly from the midst of that mountain, you heard a voice. Not Darth Vader's voice. It was a voice like none other. It was the voice of Almighty God. And that voice cried out, thundered out. It proclaimed, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto yourself any graven image. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart with all your soul, with all your strength. Thou shalt remember the Sabbath day. Keep it holy. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Thou shalt not covet. And the thunderous voice of God, brothers and sisters, lay down the foundation of morality, of families, of nations. That was an awe-inspiring event. And it's not just on a soundstage in Hollywood. It happened at a real mountain, in a real place, with a real people, with a real God. As you sit in this audience listening... Every one of you have to decide, did it happen or is it just some Israelite folk tale like the grim fairy tale from Germany? Every one of you has to decide. You see, what you believe about that mountain will determine what you believe about all the mountains in Scripture. And there's some very important ones. You see, if you don't believe that God really spoke on Mount Sinai, then you can walk out and you can live any way you want to live. Your guess is as good as mine. You can get in touch with the forest. You can get in touch with meditation. You can get in, forth with, get in touch with whatever you think is out there. 
Because we live in a silent universe where the great almighty being hasn't spoken. And you must decide if what Moses is telling us is the truth, then the ultimate creator, the ultimate powerful one, the ultimate God has spoken. And it doesn't make any difference like I've been teaching the last few weeks. It doesn't make any difference what I teach and what I say. It doesn't make any difference what you think. It doesn't make any difference whether I think homosexuality is good, bad, or indifferent. It doesn't make any difference whether I think heterosexual immorality is good, bad, and different. It doesn't make any difference whether I think it's right to cheat in your income tax or to be just and fair. It doesn't make any difference what I think about any of those things because there's only one person's ideas that count, and that's the God that thundered with the voice at Mount Sinai. And Moses said to the people, he says, Children, don't ever forget that day. And I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit that Moses is speaking through the Word of God again today. And Moses comes to you and Moses says, don't ever forget that mountain. Our culture today has forgotten the mountain. We have a vote. 51% make it right. There was an apologist, a believer, out in the quad of UT. Three, 200, 300 kids gathered around. The dominant moral viewpoint at UT is, if what I do doesn't hurt you, then it's right. Anything is right. You can hold what you hold. I hold what I have. If I want to live immorally, you want to live. If, if I want to sleep with, you know, with several women, if I want to sleep with several men, if that's what I believe really brings fulfillment to my life, that's right. This apologist started to say to a girl that was arguing with him, he said this, you really believe that you can just decide for yourself what is moral and what is right? You think we can just have a 51% vote? He said, what about rape? Can the rapist say after he rapes you, it really met my needs? It fulfilled me. It wasn't wrong because I've decided in my own heart that it is right. And the girl recorded a little bit. It gets tough when the morality and the immorality hits you. Then he went on to say, he said, do you realize that just a little bit less than a hundred years ago in our culture that the government of the United States decided by a vast majority vote that black people were only two-thirds human beings? Yes, a court in the United States decided that black people were just two-thirds human beings. Now, that's not politically correct today. But back then, the will of the majority, maybe the will of the minority at times, said that was true. And the girl suddenly had to come face to face with the totalitarian wickedness of just casting morality to the vote of 51%. I don't care how many brilliant minds talk about morality? I don't care how many committee decisions are made. You, as the people of God, need to make a commitment whether you believe there's a God who spoke. And the Ten Commandments lay the foundation. It makes rape wrong. The Ten Commandments lay the foundation. Nobody can say that another human being is only two-thirds of a human being because the, the Ten Commandments and the law of God 
begins with, you've all been made in the image of God. We are all in this family of made in the image of God together. Red and yellow, black and white. I don't care what the Supreme Court says, what my upbringing might say, what anybody might say. What does God say? If you'll believe it, you'll enter into the glorious freedom of the children of God. Because you won't be cast about by every little moral, ethical swing. You won't suddenly wake up after your kids have been bombed out on drugs and drunk as a skunk because your upbringing free approach didn't work. If you make a decision and say, I believe God spoke at Mount Sinai, I'm going to build my life on that. I'm going to listen to what he said. You will live. If you don't, we'll die as a nation, as individuals, as a world. I want to close with this. We're going to go on in our study further. The book of Deuteronomy is going to ask the question, how are you all going to do? How are the children of Israel going to do? And I want you to stay with me as, as we finish because I'm going to say the most important thing I'm ever going to say in this whole message right now. Right now, there's a tremendous divide in our country. There is a far right in our culture that is arguing strongly for a Judeo-Christian ethic. They're arguing strongly. They would agree with everything I've said so far. They would call you now that you need to get involved. And I would join with them and say, get involved. Where were we when the courts decided that we as parents couldn't even know if our daughter had an abortion at school? Where were we? Those are cataclysmic major issues. Whether you condone that behavior... And that's the far right, crying out, get involved! Then there's the far left. They're saying, it's all personal ethics, and we're progressive, and we're modern, and, and there's, there's, there's male and female, and there's other things. There's other rules to live by. We live in a multiple culture, and there's all different kinds of morality, and that's the far left. I want to share something with you. The Word of God doesn't fully agree with the far right, it doesn't fully agree with the far left. Because I'm going to draw a line right now. A homosexual needs to be told that homosexuality at Mount Sinai was declared to be wrong. And it will kill you. And our culture is totally deaf. Because people are dying. The Dallas choir gets up to sing. The men's choir gets up to sing. And every month that I see them get up in the news, there's less people there. How evident do you have to have it? People dying like flies from behavior. It's what Moses said. You reject God's law, you will die. Now stay with me. The Bible also says heterosexuality is wrong too. So don't preach too loud against homosexuality if you condone heterosexual immorality. Because in God's book, they don't get different judgments. They're wrong. And you say, well, man, sexuality, that's not my big problem at all. Man, I'm almost celibate. No problem at all. I'm not even tempted that area. What about your pride? Do you ever get angry? Do you ever feel something well up inside of you and, and you feel like you could just take someone's head off? You know what God says? You know what God's law says about you? You're a murderer. The far right says we need new laws. We need good laws. I agree. 
But you know, sometimes the far right says that's the answer. And I want to share something with all my heart. We can get the Ten Commandments emblazed on every schoolroom wall in America and praise God if we could. But if you don't go on and say this, there's Mount Sinai. But if you only have Mount Sinai, then all of us are incinerated in the smoke. That's what Mount Sinai was about. Fire and dread and judgment. And nobody could draw near because all have sinned. Republicans, yes. Democrats, yes. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. But by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God. Not of works, lest any man can boast. A homosexual can come to Mount Sinai and see the wages of sin is death. But that awe-inspiring God put out his arms on Calvary and says, I love, yes, I love the homosexual. Their sin will destroy them. I want to forgive them. I want to set them free. It's hard. Probably one of the greatest struggles anyone could ever have. But Jesus says, I can do it. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. Somebody that are filled with hate, filled with bitterness. Mount Sinai said, you deserve to die. Mount Calvary says, come to me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest for your soul. See, Deuteronomy goes on and says that Israel rejected the law. They fell into idolatry, as we'll learn in our coming lessons. But it goes on and says that God wouldn't give up on them. He wouldn't give up on the Old Testament Israelites. He, wouldn't, he won't give up on the Jews today. He won't give up on the Republicans, and he won't give up on the Democrats. Brothers and sisters, as we close, he won't give up on the world. Because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That anyone, anyone that's sitting here that will believe in him, they will not perish, but have everlasting life. What can wash away our sin? A new amendment. What can wash away our sin? Better Supreme Court justices. What can wash away our sin? A new president. What can wash away our sin? Nothing, nothing, nothing but the blood, the sacrificial atonement, that precious life that was shed, the blood that was shed. What can wash away our sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus.